morning, everyone. Thank you in Jesus' name. I was told that um, the sermon would come after the song, so here I am, and the sermon follows. So let's turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, a very familiar passage that we want to look at this morning, and um, I'll read a portion of it here. Beginning at verse 19 of Matthew 6. And welcome to all of you. Glad to have everybody here. Our company, some sick people back. So, let's see. All right, we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles speak. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet here together this morning in freedom to worship you. We thank you for the Word of God, for the Word that we just read, a message from you to us. And we thank you that you're meeting here with us, and we pray your blessing upon us. Bless our 
spiritual eyes and hearts with good vision to see what you're saying here in this passage. And may we be challenged and encouraged and blessed with whatever we need here this morning as we look at this scripture. And we pray that in our hearts we would be seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And pray that our worship before you would be acceptable and honoring to you. And that we would be encouraged and strengthened. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The question first that I want us to think about uh, that comes up there in uh, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So, what is a treasure? Well, a dictionary will tell us that it is wealth like money or jewels or precious metals stored up or hoarded somewhere. Wealth of any kind or in any form. Riches, a store of money in reserve. Or a second definition, a collection of precious things. Or the third, uh, something of great worth or value. And for a working definition here this morning for this message, um, we'll just say that which is valued most, desired most, is most dear to us, uh, would be our treasure. Martin Luther said this, What a man loves most, that is his God, for he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it, be it what it may, wealth or health. An archaic term for money, I learned. So that was uh, Martin Luther's definition. And in this passage that we read, uh, we see two treasures. There's first an earthly treasure, any earthly thing that's valued, it can be money, it can be property, things of all sorts. And there is a heavenly treasure that it talks about here. And um, the commandment is, that Jesus gave here is, lay not up earthly treasures for yourself, but lay up heavenly treasures. And why? Why does he say that? Because earthly treasure is temporary, it's a short duration, a limited time that it lasts. It's subject to deterioration, to moth. Uh, it's subject to thievery. So it's perishable. It won't last. You can have it today, there's no guarantee about tomorrow. And there are many people that can tell you stories about great material losses, and some of them very, very suddenly. In contrast, he says that heavenly treasure is safe and secure. No moths in heaven, no deterioration in heaven. Nobody's going to steal it in heaven. The heavenly treasure is part of what Peter wrote about in the first chapter of 1 Peter, verse 4, 
an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Very safe. So all of us who are here this morning, who understand what I read, what we're talking about, as well as the nearly 8 billion people in the world, are laying up treasure somewhere, either here on the earth or in heaven. So we all have things that we're interested in, and uh, we work toward various goals, and we make an effort and invest time to achieve things, to get something, to get somewhere, is the term expression we've heard. And what are we trying to get is what this passage would challenge us with. And how tragic it would be for someone to reach his goals and get everything that he longed for and what he most wanted and looked to for happiness and security, but found at the end it was all for nothing. If he then clearly saw that what he had treasured most was nothing, wasn't a treasure at all, but rather it had become a curse, what a crushing disappointment that would be. And there are many people that find that in the end they built their house on sand and not a firm foundation. You know, Jesus told that story about the wealthy farmer. He had bountiful crops. He had barns that were filled to overflowing. And he had plans to build bigger barns. And uh, he, he was thinking about future enjoyment and pleasure. But God said, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up, lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I checked yesterday and one source says that the world economy is valued at around 85 trillion dollars. Would a man sell his eternal soul for that? Well, many would, no question. And many do for far less. And to top it off, these earthly treasures will not really, will not meet man's soul needs or bring true joy or real satisfaction. 
In the year uh, 960, that's been a long time ago, there was a king of Spain, Abderrahman III, and he said this. I suppose he said it in Spanish. I have now reigned about 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, dreaded by my enemies, and respected by my allies. Riches and honor, power and pleasure have waited on my call, nor does any earthly blessing appear to have been wanting. In this situation, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness which have fallen to my lot. They amount to 14. What a sad testimony. Earthly treasure can't meet man's need or satisfy his deepest longing. It won't do it. Things will not give us happiness or lengthen our life or give us eternal life. And so Jesus said, like we read, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the lesson of these verses are don't lay up earthly treasures, but lay up heavenly treasures. And why? We already noticed one reason, because earthly treasures are temporary and they don't last. And heavenly treasures are forever, for eternity. And there's a second reason, and that is because your heart follows your treasure. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be, there your heart will be also. So what we treasure, what we value, what we esteem most highly, is what our heart will be set upon and what our heart hopes for and delights in. And our thoughts go often there to it and we desire and long after it and we're devoted to it and we set our goals accordingly and we make our choices accordingly. And he is saying, Jesus was teaching that if our treasure is on earth, that's where our heart will be. If our treasure is in heaven, then our heart and our longings and our thoughts will be there. And the heart follows what it treasures most. So the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him how he could find eternal life. And Jesus said in Matthew 19, If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, 
for he had great possessions. So uh, this young man came to the true treasure, to Jesus, and he heard what Jesus said, and he considered what Jesus said, but he followed his heart. And where did his heart take him? It took him away from Jesus and back to his treasure, to his possessions. He wasn't ready to give that up, to transfer his devotion to the Lord Jesus. He was a sad, sorrowful man. It's a sad story. I hope it had a better ending. I don't know. And eventually, that pursuit will lead us to its end. So the person whose heart is set on earthly treasure faces destruction. Everything that we see around here, this gym, uh, those woods across the road, uh, this earth will be burned up. But a person whose heart is set on heavenly treasure is being led toward heaven. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, Paul wrote to the Colossians. Now first, this is a heart matter. Uh, it's not uh, first our circumstances, how much or how little we have. But it's first a heart matter. What's our treasure? What's our affection? That's the test. If it's earthly things, that's not corrected by getting rid of all our money. A person can have no earthly possessions, but long for everything. A person can be pious in his appearance and his words, but be very selfish and indulgent with earthly goods. It, it starts in the heart. We can bestow all our goods to feed the poor, but without charity in the heart of a cheerful giver, it amounts to nothing. We would learn from First Corinthians 15. The true treasure is Jesus. Is Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the joy of salvation. It's sins forgiven. And an obedient and holy life of unselfish service to God. So Jesus said in John chapter 6, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. There's a parallel passage uh, to Matthew 6 that's even stronger, Luke 12, verse 33. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Uh, I have a book at home by Peter Hoover, The Russian Secret, and it tells a story in there about a very wealthy man uh, named Piter. I don't know for sure how to say it. You don't know either. I'll just call him Piter. Uh, he lived in Petersburg, Russia, and he had become a follower of Jesus. 
And one day, Pieter came to a friend and said, I have been reading the Gospels, and I have decided to follow Christ. I'm going to make, take all my money out of the bank and give it away. Pieter and his friend went to the bank, and they loaded up many bags of silver coins, and loaded them onto a horse-drawn wagon. And they drove to the poorest section of St. Petersburg and started giving it away. And when the wagon was finally empty, they returned to the friend's home, and Pieter, dressed in the rough linen clothes of a peasant, with a walking stick in his hand, and a loaf of bread, and a little bag of salt, kissed his friend goodbye, and set off walking down the road. That's all he had. That's how one man responded to Jesus' teaching. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't believe that these scriptures say there's no place for earthly goods or pursuits, or that we're all called to do as Jesus said to the, uh, to the rich young ruler. But we must be very careful to not just accept that everything, the way we're doing it and the way we're thinking, is okay and uh, defend our lifestyles and explain away Jesus' teaching and then become like many of the earthly citizens around us who are following the American dream rather than following Jesus. The Bible very clearly warns about the dangers of riches. James 5, the first three verses there, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Or, as Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6-9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. In the Bible, uh, the New Testament also speaks about well-to-do Christians and has some instructions for them. And compared to most of the world, uh, we're quite well-to-do. I'm sure you're aware of that. <coughs> First John three seventeen, Jesus said, But whoever has this world's good I'm sorry, John wrote it. Whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So Paul in first uh, Timothy six again, starting in verse seventeen, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. 
Let them do good, that they may that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the times to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And the same thing that uh, Jesus said about treasure in heaven, uh, here Paul said it this way, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the times to come. And a couple of examples uh, further uh, in First Timothy 5, verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith. And his works that are not been unbelievers. And in Proverbs 6, uh, verses 6 through 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Thinking of uh, putting something aside for known needs, uh, just for prudence. So these are all issues that Christians need to grapple with. And uh, a treasure test might help us Tell if our heart, our treasure, is in the right place. So here are a few characteristics found with those whose treasure is in heaven and yet have of this world's goods. Their use of this earth, of their earthly goods, figures into their affection for heavenly things. It's part of their, of their surrendered life and service. It figures into their giving and in their buying if their treasure is in heaven. And they have it as not their own, but as God's. And that they're, they're, uh, they are responsible to Him for how it is used. They do not live selfishly, extravagantly. Now, that's uh, an individual matter, and there are variations uh, with how Christians come out on that. But um, shouldn't we, should we question the testimony and stewardship of delicious living? We need to be careful that we don't judge others, we should be hard on ourselves, merciful toward others. Another characteristic, our earthly things are held loosely, not grasped as our own to keep at all costs. If a financial calamity would come upon us, can we say, the Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Does it help? Do we use it to help further the kingdom of God? Missions and relief work and so forth. Is it available to help others in need and offered cheerfully, not grudgingly? Those are a few characteristics that I think would be part of a Christian whose treasure is in heaven, 
but it has some worth, some earthly uh, potential. Jesus was concerned about wrong values and wrong attitudes toward material things. So we need guidance on this critical issue so we can see clearly. And in Matthew 6, where we read, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. So the light of the body is the eye, he says, and uh, the light, the lamp that he's referring to here is our guidance system, our direction. Uh, how what we think and how we uh, how we process things to make decisions, and he says if the eye is single, if it is pure, if it's not polluted or mixed with other things, then we can uh, focus clearly if it's if it's uh, focused on the right thing in our eyelids our eyes will be accurately. Like it says in Proverbs 4, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. But if the lamp, if our guidance system is evil or wrong, and its affection is not toward God, then it's unsound, it's not focused uh, clearly, it's focused on different things, we have double vision, I uh, will not see clearly, and so our guidance system is flawed. It's the darkness that he was referring to. So the Jews, uh, an evil eye was someone who was stingy and miserly and selfish. And Jesus said, we can't serve two masters. We can't be fully devoted to two. One is more treasured than the other. Our affections will be divided. The interest of one master would get greater attention and the other will be neglected. Uh, service to one will interfere with service to the other. So the quality of service is affected, and often full obedience is impossible. That's how we are. We can't love God and mammon. We can't love God and wealth, riches, both with all our heart and soul and strength. And when he says masters here, he's not talking about employees and employers relating to each other. 
an employee is free to give a two-week notice and leave if he's unhappy with the job. This is more like a bond servant to a master. It's the decision of the servant to devote himself to this master, to one owner, to full-time service, in essence, slavery, though it's the uh, slavery of a glass door. So, if we have invested our lives and devotion to heavenly treasures, and earthly things are not our treasure, or our priority, or our security and joy, it follows that one could wonder in his heart, I love God, but will I have enough bread? Will I be able to get shoes when I need them? Will I be able to pay an unexpected doctor bill? Not to worry, says God. So in verse 25 we saw, don't be anxious and continually worrying about these things, about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Life is more important than food, and the body is more important than clothes, he said. He said, look at the birds. I enjoy birds. They don't look too worried most of the time. They don't plant gardens. They don't harvest and store food away that God has provided for them. They don't have pantries and barns and silos. They, they are fed and cared for. So who feeds them? The Heavenly Father. And you're of much greater value to the Father than the birds. So he says in verse 27, what advantage is it to worry? What does it accomplish? Worry won't make you a cubit taller if that's something you worry about. Or it could be translated a span to your stature or a span to your life. Worry won't add hours or days to your life. And why be anxious about clothes? Think about the flowers. They grow. God designed them. God designs, God's design works for the sustenance of flowers. They don't work. They don't make their clothes. They operate the way they design. So don't be anxious about clothes. Think about the flowers. They're beautiful. More beautiful than Solomon's court. That impressed Queen Sheba so much, along with his wisdom. She had come to meet Solomon and was so impressed when she saw everything and listened to him and it said that it kind of put the wind out of her sails. There was no more spirit in her. She told him what I heard was true, but now I see I wasn't told half of it. So, if God makes provisions for flowers and grass, which last only for a growing season, and is so common that it's of little value, that it's, it's used for fuel, surely He'll much more certainly take care of you and provide the necessary things you need, don't you think? Oh, ye of little faith. So, don't fret. 
consume about daily provisions. And he's not talking about being able to afford eating out every week or wearing these designer clothes. He's talking about the basics. He said the ungodly Gentiles, the heathen, they wish and long and worry about things like that. And they diligently seek after them. They treasure them. Their eyes aren't upwards, but on their earthly existence and what the earth can offer them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We've been called to heavenly treasures to seek His kingdom. God will take care of us. Don't worry. Be faithful to God a day at a time. Each day has its own trouble, its own uh, troubles for us to take care of and deal with. And we need God's grace and provision for them. Don't fret about troubles that haven't materialized. God is not only a God of today, but He's also the God of tomorrow. So, I have a little story to tell you about my younger brother, Delvin. So, when he was a young married man, he had a good job at a mechanic shop in Lynchburg. He owned a little Christian. I couldn't think of the shop, the name of the shop. Bad shop, yeah. Down close to Commerce, Main Street, somewhere down in the area of town. And the owner was not a Christian. And when Delvin, this is the way I remember, when Delvin told him that he was planning to go to Guatemala with his bride to do mission work, the boss disagreed. He said, that's a bad plan. That's a mistake. You're, this is what I remember most. You're approaching your peak earning years. And plus, it's dangerous if it's yours. And he tried to discourage Delvin from going. Maybe he just wanted to keep a good mechanic. Delvin was a good mechanic. But he just couldn't understand it. All he understood was treasure on earth. And the treasure in heaven mindset is, is what is needed for missions whether it's abroad or whether it's here at home. So Peter and John were going into the temple and they saw a lame man uh, being carried to his regular place there by the gate where he spent his days begging. And as Peter and John were about to enter, he asked for, this lame man asked for a donation and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked expecting that he was going to get some money. Now, Peter and John weren't wealthy by earthly standards, but they had the heavenly treasure, and that's what they offered to this lame man. 
Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know how that man rose to his feet and leaped to his feet and was very bouncy and joyful. It changed that man's life, not only his feet and his ankles, but his heart. And in the next chapter, when Peter and John were were drugged before the Jews, uh, this formerly lame man was standing there with them. He was identified with them and with Jesus and with the heavenly treasure that they had shared with them. And so as we seek this, um, this heavenly treasure, as we seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness, we obtain and we become more Christ-like in how we relate to the world and how we relate to the things of the world uh, and to the, to the people around us. I was impressed uh, with Jerry Zimmerman. He may have moved to West Virginia by now. Uh, but back um, when they moved here from Pennsylvania uh, to a rural community where there were no other uh, conservative Mennonite churches. It wasn't for affordable farmland that they moved there, but for outreach opportunities. And he started a landscaping business. He wanted to, uh, he needed to provide for his family. But he was also going to use it as an outreach tool. He would hire local people to help him. And most of the folks that worked for him uh, lived on government checks and weren't very dependable always. But he was connecting with them. And sometimes they would come and talk to him about their problems. And by being his own boss, he was flexible. He could drop everything and just listen, spend time, talk with them. And he could help them out when he had opportunities of wise. But uh, that's not a very smart business model. Just get some local help, doesn't matter if they're very helpful or not. And stop work, you know, whenever, just to uh, visit and talk or whatever. That's not a great business model. But I believe that Jerry was laying up treasure in heaven with that approach. God bless him. So in our, um, in our message here this morning, in this passage, we see a number of things. Um, we talk about earthly treasure. We looked at heavenly treasure. And we noticed that our heart follows our treasure. And that our 
part will lead us to the end, the consequence, the result of the treasure we choose. So Jesus has taught us, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God cares for the seekers of the true treasure. And that quest will take us to heaven and attract others to go with us. So may God bless us and God guide us and help us treasure the things that are true treasures and not the frivolous and the jingling and sparkling 